0: Beverly Lynn Smith was found shot in the back of the head in her kitchen in Oshawa, Ontario in 1974. Beverly's 10-month-old child, Rebecca, was left unharmed. Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy (laughs) Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey Katie.
1: Hello. Hello, how's it going? It's going well. Well, glad to hear it. The sun's shining, the birds are singing, the puppies are biting. Things seem well, pretty normal. That there. seems pretty normal, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. The college kid is home for the summer, so... Yeah, yeah. also very cool, very cool, so... We're going to have to, like, become normal people again. Because mm-hmm. we've just really kind of given up, you know? We just we dress ourselves out of clean laundry baskets, and we eat dinner if we want to, and if not, we don't. And <laughs> Or maybe we just eat a late lunch and have a cracker for dinner later on or, you know, buy random groceries. And we've lost all sense of structure. So maybe this will be good for us. (laughs) It it, it may be because I'm Mm -hmm. sure that, uh, well, Mars is going to disapprove of a lot of that. (laughs) Oh, Rest assured, I will now know when I don't look good, Mm -hmm. when my hair shouldn't be worn like that. Mm -hmm. When are you wearing that outfit to the store? Mm
0: -hmm. When...
1: I will. I have not known now for a good nine months if what I cooked was gross or not. So now I'll be sure to be informed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: True. We true. Go. Well. Yes. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot in this episode for you. So we, we might do. as well get started. Katie has a missing person spotlight for us.
1: I do. Okay, I'm going to pull up her picture here and show you. This is baby Angel Overstreet. Angel went missing at three months old, right around the time of May 7th, 2021, from Huntington, West Virginia. She was born in February 2020 or February 11th, 2021. Uh, She's female. White. Her hair color, uh, they believe, is auburn. I mean, she was three months old without much hair.
0: Mm-hmm. Eye color was
1: blue. She was about eight pounds. She was tiny. She was just an itty-bitty. I want to show you one more picture of her. Mm-hmm. So Angel had a very rough start. Her mother did not want her. And had given her to a man named Shannon who she claimed was the father of Angel. And Shannon has a long history with drugs and abuse and violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the charges or one of the convictions he has is for running a woman down in the street and carving his name into her torso. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. That's horrible. Yeah. So back... When she went missing, there was a paternity test ordered. And Shannon learned that Angel was not his daughter. Oh. He'd been taking care of her, it looked like, for about the first three months of life. The mother apparently has seven children and has none of them. Oh, dear. Yeah. So he learned that the baby was not his. And he had posted all of this on Facebook. There's a big, long thread of him discussing all of this. and He was really angry and upset. And then he was contacted by the sister of the real bio dad. And she said, we, we want custody of this baby. And he didn't want to give up custody of the baby and wanted to fight in court, but didn't have any money to do so with. Also that criminal history is going to come back and bite you. So, CPS came knocking and he was served papers. He was served papers from the courts that these people were suing for custody of this child. Mm -hmm. And shortly thereafter, CPS knocked on the door to discuss this with him. And he told them, I don't know why you're here. CPS came here yesterday and took her. Oh, and CPS says, no, we did not. And that boys and girls is where the story ends.
0: Are you serious? They didn't
1: pursue it further? They say they don't have her. He says he doesn't have her. Where the hell is Angel? Right. The bio family certainly doesn't have her. And he also then ended up he's ended up in trouble because he drugged his 80-year-old mother across the lawn by her hair. Nearly killed her. Her dog got in the middle of it and attacked him and she says That that saved her life. It's a really Mm -hmm. scary and concerning situation. Uh, Yeah. And so at any rate, this is the. uh, and, And as far as I know, he's actually in jail still for the attack on his mother. But at any rate, there's just nothing. So the mother is not advocating for her to be found. And it doesn't seem like the bio family is doing much either. And the case is just not even being worked. So locals in the area learned about the case and have made some noise in the press and have a Facebook page, a Facebook group where they're discussing the case and Mm -hmm. trying to make someone do something. Shortly after she disappeared, there was one search effort and it was a pond on some property that belongs to Shannon's family. But there was a brief search and then no uh, results were shared and that was just that. So I feel like Shannon, or I'm sorry, I feel like Angel's story deserves to be told. Yes, it does. Because she was either murdered by someone who didn't want to have to turn her over. Or CPS lost her. Or he gave her away or hid her in some other way.
0: Yeah, because that's a pretty easy story to tell. Yeah.
1: About CPS, however,
0: in big places, yeah, this stuff does happen, and
1: that's horrifying. That's what's scary about this case. We have seen CPS mess up big time here in the last while. I mean, it makes me think about Harmony, you know. Well,
0: there are a lot of mess ups that have happened through the pandemic, and this would also have been, you know, when things were really bad, Mm -hmm. and that's scary. That, yeah. It does make you really question, like, what the hell? Like, Mm -hmm. that child has to be
1: somewhere. Yeah. Yep. So if you live in that area and haven't heard of this case, now you have. There is a Facebook group if you're interested. It's a private group. And let's see. I should have had it written down so I could tell you what it's called. If you just type her name in to Facebook, you'll find it. But you can join that group if you'd like to, and that'll help you get a little better background in her and in what's going on with this case. But Angel Overstreet is her name, Angel Overstreet. So mm-hmm. there you go. Well, Christy, I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for our main case. Okay. Well, in the
0: same vein, Uh, of puzzling cases today. I bring you the murder of Beverly Lynn Smith. Now there is a brand new documentary out on uh, Amazon prime called what happened to Beverly Lynn Smith? Because what the hell happened to Beverly Lynn Smith? Yeah. This was uh, near the end of 1974. She was found shot in the kitchen, in her kitchen Her 10-month-old baby girl was in the next room. She was fine and unhurt. Her husband was at work. He worked in a factory. He had called in the evening to check in with her, and she hadn't answered. And that immediately concerned him. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about why. So he called the neighbors across the street. And he asked, Linda, this is Linda and Alan Smith. They're not related. They're just Mm -hmm. one of those, you know. But Linda goes across the street and knocks on the door and no one answers. And she starts looking in windows and she sees Beverly laying on the floor. Oh, dear. So her husband, they tell her husband that something is wrong. Get off the phone. Call 911. And Alan Smith, who is who was Linda's husband at the time, Went across the street, and the story gets a little murky. Either Alan kicked down the front door or the paramedics didn't, and I don't know if anybody knows for sure. Somebody kicked down the door. They get in there, they find Beverly dead on the floor, and baby Rebecca uh in like a crib or something, and she's fine. But clearly has been that way for a little bit, you know. There were she'd had a phone call with her sister. She didn't feel safe and Beverly had said that quite a few times that she didn't feel safe at night. She was nervous. She didn't like being home alone. There was a lot of stuff that really was concerning for her living in this place. Well, it turns out that her husband Doug was kind of a small time pot dealer. Okay. And it is believed that this was a drug deal gone wrong. And when, and that there was no forced entry into the house. So it's believed that Doug called to check on her to see if, you know, somebody had stopped to pick up some weed and that had gone okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when she didn't answer, he got real worried. Like mm-hmm. he knew something could something be Something was up. up. Yeah. And, and it was clearly someone that she had let in because no one had broken into the house and the house was locked, mm-hmm. you know? So... Basically, that's all we know for like 30 years. Wow. This case goes totally cold. But Beverly has a twin sister, Barbara. And Barbara has just never been okay with what happened here. Why has there never been a suspect? Anything. So she starts really pushing for some action on the part of the police fast forward to night or to 2007 from 1974. This is how far we went with nothing. Wow. So she starts kind of making some noise and pushing the police. And so they Mm -hmm. begin talking to some people who live in the area and they talk to this man named David, who turns out to be a friend of Alan Smith, the guy from across the street. Wow. David Implicates Alan and says that he saw Alan at Beverly's house. What? We don't know if that's actually true or not. So that makes the police start looking at Alan Smith. They Mm -hmm. interview Alan. Alan is adamant that he had nothing to do with her death. He's he's the guy that kicked in the door that was there when they came and found her body, right? He's adamant that he had nothing to do with her death. So, the police begin what is called a Mr. Big Sting. So, this is in Canada. Okay. So, well, okay, they do two different things. They start working on Alan's ex-wife, Linda, because at this point they're divorced. Uh-huh. And she's a pretty vulnerable older lady, struggling a bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, they call her in and start talking to her and interviewing her and then they talk with a woman in her church her name was janet and linda's friend they talk to her and they say you know you really need to put some pressure on her to tell the truth because she's lying here she knows something her husband did something like pressure Mm -hmm. her to tell the truth right so they keep they start meeting with linda and questioning her and pressuring her mm-hmm. and then they also start feeding her just kind of random bits of information that may or may not be true
1: oh, trying boy. to
0: get her to turn and at one point she just in she oh they they make her take a polygraph test now you guys they have zero evidence against Linda for anything right she's just She's vulnerable. She's also trying to help because this was her neighbor. She actually Mm -hmm. found the body. Right. Right. They do this polygraph test. The polygraph comes back inconclusive. Big surprise because we know polygraphs are not, you know, admissible in court. They're not that accurate. So they're like, we know you're lying. We know you're lying because this was inconclusive. So she admits to killing Beverly. Wow. Except they know she didn't. And So when this doesn't work to bring out some information about her ex-husband, Alan, which is what they were really trying to get. Sure. They start the most emotionally inhumane, gross sting operation against Alan Smith I have ever seen. Oh, boy. So what they do is they get these two, they've got two undercover officers working on this. Mm-hmm. So Alan loved to fish. He would like to ice fish, and he was a big mm-hmm. fisherman in, in Canada. Okay. You know, this was sort of um a, a an area where you could go do outdoorsy things, not for, this was a suburb and yeah, you know, not that, you know, kind of an outdoorsy sort of place. Sure. So one day Alan meets Danny. Mm-hmm. Well, Danny's super friendly. They have a good time fishing together. And before you know it, they're just best friends. And Alan is so pleased to have a friend. Alan's had kind Mm -hmm. of a rough life. He's got some learning disability, I think. Mm -hmm. And has struggled a lot. Mm -hmm. Also, at one point prior to this, he had been accused of Beverly's murder. But they held him for a short time. Um, but they had to let him go because there was no evidence, no, it but that sure kind of made him a pariah and, you know, yeah. he's, he struggled. So he and Danny yeah. become great friends and they're like hanging out every single day and mm-hmm. Danny's helping him. And like, if he's out of money for cigarettes or if he needs help with anything, Danny's right there to help him do it. And, you know, oh, acting boy. acting like a friend, Ooh. also creating some kind of financial dependency, like, mm-hmm. And this goes on for a long time, months. Wow. And so uh, Alan admits to him that, hey, you know, a while back, I did a little jail time. They thought I killed this woman. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm innocent, but it's been this really hard time. Mm -hmm. So that kind of opens the conversation. So the police think they're making progress. So what they decide to do is get Alan involved in some drug crimes so that they have some leverage on him. My God. So in comes Jack, who is like the dealer that Danny works for, supposedly, because this is all fake. Mm -hmm. And so they start getting um, Alan involved in like doing some drug sales all the drug sales are fake. All of the people buying the drugs are undercover cops. Like the whole thing is bullshit. Mm-hmm. But Alan thinks it's real. Alan thinks Danny is his friend. They have mm-hmm. 15,000 hours of recordings of their conversations with each other. Because oh they're mic'd God. and recording everything the whole everything.
1: time. And this is like a really bad episode of the Truman Show.
0: Uh, it, it is. It's, yeah. Yes. So they just keep upping the ante because they're trying to really stress him out, freak him out, maybe get him to admit to something. So they, they do this big drug deal and he it's like supposedly $80,000 worth of drugs that they're selling. And he does the, Alan does the delivery. And then, um, Danny says, I think we need to... I I don't like this guy. I think he's really sketchy. We're going to go back and we're going to steal the drugs back. So we have our 80 grand and we have our drugs. And so Alan, thinking this dude... I mean, at one point, you know, he says things like, thanks for a great day fishing, Danny. Love you, buddy. You know, like he's Mm -hmm. developing a real true attachment to this person. Yeah. So they go and they steal the drugs, right? Yeah. And then... So then Jack, the the guy that's the, you know, over, they've got him convinced that they're all working for the mafia. And basically that if he, you know, he's in now, he can never get out or they'll go after his family and, you know, all that kind of such manipulative crap. So Jack calls Alan and Danny and says, I went and talked to that guy you guys stole those drugs from and things went sideways and I killed him. And he's got a body rolled up in a tarp oh my god that freaking body was a mannequin you guys but alan is in you know he's all at in this way, i wouldn't
1: have been surprised if it was a body they
0: stole from the morgue right and he's scared at this point he's like yeah. i'm done i'm out you know he's like we just need yeah. one last favor which is to dump this body they go dump the body in water so they get arrested. He and Danny get arrested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Arrested. And I can't remember. There's so many stages of this and I'm just trying to say it off the top of my head because it doesn't matter all the steps. But basically they end up in this conversation with the three of them and Jack. Because still Danny's given up nothing or Mm -hmm. not Danny. Alan. Alan. All he has ever said is that he didn't do it. He's innocent. And they Mm -hmm. don't have any evidence whatsoever that he did. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack decides, because now they're, you know, in this, they know about the murder. He's like, I I need some dirt on each one of you so that I have some insurance that you're not going to flip on me. And they're like, okay, Alan, it's time to tell us the truth. Did you really kill Beverly Lynn Smith? And they're pressuring him and pressuring him. And I mean, they have this whole thing is recorded. Yeah. And he's saying, no, I didn't. I'm innocent. I did not kill her. And you know they're getting more threatening and scarier, mm-hmm. and finally he's like, okay, fine. Because at one point he had tried to in, in, <laughs> he had tried to um, implicate the guy David, who implicated him. You know he mm-hmm. just yeah he just messed with this guy's head so bad. Yeah, so he says, okay, yeah, I did it, and he tells him how, and that details aren't even right. Like there's right. the details in his confession aren't even right, but they have this confession right, so they arrest him. They arrest him for first-degree murder. Oh, my God. For her murder. And then they reveal that Danny and Jack are cops and the whole thing was fake. Can you imagine
1: what that must have felt like? I'm surprised he didn't have a nervous breakdown at that point. Right? His whole world just crumbled in front of him. It did. Completely.
0: So they hold him for quite a while again. And... Still, they can't pin anything on him. So they go to pre-trial with all of that ridiculous recording of them talking and just lying and being fake with Mm him. And they um, play the confession for the judge and the judge throws it out and says, Mm -hmm. that's obviously not a voluntary confession. You cannot Mm -hmm. screw with someone to this level. Yeah. And then you know expect that that confession is real
1: so he throws it out and releases him unbelievable that they thought it would be isn't it though isn't it? yeah they got they got in way too deep they did get in way too
0: deep and so they call this no discretion yeah so they call this a mr big scheme and so mr big is the elusive mafia guy out there in the world that's going to murder you and your family yeah um to get you know Get their buy in and get them to admit things, right? Mm-hmm. So they released him from jail because, again, they have no evidence no on him at all. In. Yeah. There's no physical evidence. The night that Beverly Lynn Smith was killed, the police in that area, this was a brand new police precinct, they were less than a year old when she was killed and they had never investigated a murder. Um mm-hmm. on the night that she was killed, they were having a Christmas party and they came to the crime scene drunk. Mm-hmm. They contaminated the crime scene. They screwed wow. up all kinds of stuff. So there's really nothing useful um, in the, you know, original evidence. Mm-hmm. Poor little Rebecca Smith, 10-month-old yeah. baby, is now... Um, like she's my age. Right, forty six. She was born in seventy four, I think. So yeah, she would be like forty seven now. Forty seven. Yeah, she wants to know what happened to her mom, you know, and her aunt Barbara, who was Beverly's twin sister, wants Mm -hmm. to know what happened to her mom. And so they've really been pushing for this. And you guys, you you need to watch this documentary. Because they play a lot of the tapes. Alan um, Smith is actually in the documentary. Wow. It's called Who Killed Beverly Lynn Smith? It's a documentary on Amazon Prime. The frustrating part about it is that the resolution is there is none. There is still yeah. no resolution. Yeah. It is They still believe that this was a drug deal gone bad. And that it had something to do with her husband selling weed. Mm-hmm. In 2019, Alan Smith sued the police and the government and God and everyone Mm -hmm. uh, for like $19 million. Wow.
1: And
0: excuse me, part of it, part of that case was thrown out, but part of it is still pending. Yeah. Uh, And so it is possible, you know, that he could win some money for this. Good. But I mean, we don't don't know if he actually did it or not, but there's Mm -hmm. sure no proof that he did. But there is also no proof that they went after anyone else other than that David guy. There's so little publicly known about this case. And they got like all the Mm -hmm. records and stuff to do the documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just very interesting. That thrown out confession changed Canadian law. When it Would. comes to Mr. Big schemes and you know mm-hmm. Mr. Big things, they can't use confessions and stuff like that mm-hmm. that come out of those things because it's all manipulated, it's all yeah. fake and a lie. So um, it did at least hopefully protect someone else from going down the road of Alan Smith. Mm-hmm. The part man is absolutely broken. I can only imagine. He couldn't go fishing he didn't fish for 11 years according to what he says in the documentary because Mm -hmm. it just all it just brought it all back because that's how he met Danny and they did a lot of fishing together and it just has broken his heart and they they end the documentary with him going fishing again for the first time oh he's out he's free Mm -hmm. Beverly Lynn Smith's family absolutely believes that he killed her but they've never been given any other option either Yeah. But I wanted to give you an opportunity, with what I've told you, Mm -hmm. to just, do you think Alan Smith did it? Is it someone else? What do you think
1: really happened to her? I do not believe it was Alan Smith. I don't. Who I see enter that house is a fairly young couple, around the age of her and her husband. Um, the, The woman I see going in the house looks a lot like her, actually. Long, long hair. And... Yeah, here I was going to show. This is actually, I feel picture. like they were both had long, kind of darkish hair. Uh The, the couple that came over. This and, is her and
0: her husband and the baby when she was brand new.
1: hmm Yep, I do feel like it was a drug deal. I feel like these were people that were kind of maybe not friends, but friends of friends who came over and they were supposed to make a small transaction and he got kind of freaked out and aggressive and was like, well, if you've got this much, then I want more. And she didn't even have more and didn't have anything to offer him and was like, yeah, that's all I can do for you. Sorry. This is really my jam, you know, and that's it. And that he got really aggressive. I feel like, uh, I kind of feel like the, so the way I see it is that the woman actually got sent to the car. But he told her to go get in the car and he's going to finish this up and then we'll go. Mm -hmm. I feel like she knows damn well what happened, but Mm -hmm. that she was very afraid. And I also feel like they immediately moved out of the area. Like within days of her death, Mm -hmm. that they immediately moved out of the area. I feel Mm -hmm. like she has always known, but that she has, this is a domestic violence situation and she believes that she would be some kind of an accomplice if she says anything and so she has not but I feel like there is somebody who knows exactly what happened she just has been too afraid to say so but yeah this was a man that I would say was in his early to mid-20s okay and was kind of violent and you know It made him mad that she wouldn't give up more than, you know, he wanted more and she didn't have more. And that's literally what happened. Mm -hmm. And that he pulled out a gun saying, you know, if you don't give me everything that you have, I'm going to shoot you. And she was like, shoot me then. I don't have any more. And he did shoot her.
0: Yeah.
1: And then just walked back out and got in the car and drove away like nothing. Yeah. But I agree with the the drug uh, dealing theory. I believe it's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. But yeah, again, I feel like there's a woman who I'm not sure she's still living, but I feel like there is a woman who did know, Mm -hmm. but was just so afraid for her own safety, just kept her mouth shut. And then again, they moved away really quick and I feel like it's just that this is just one that somebody's going to get away with. Very sad for her family, but I don't think it was the neighbor at all.
0: No. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, to watch the... To watch the documentary, it's just gut-wrenching what they put that man through. Oh, and you can man. just feel it, like how broken he is, how heartbroken. How cruel that was. Yeah. I, how could he ever trust anybody ever again? Yeah. And what he what they put his ex-wife through, same. Yeah. Like some people from her church that were her friends were pressuring her yeah, to, to and tell them what they... Well, to, yeah. She didn't have anything to say. But, yeah. you know, you this is the problem with coercion. You know, people fear the police, and so they push and push and push. And so often, somebody makes up a story to get them to back off. Yep, for sure. Yeah, it's quite a story. So go watch the um, the documentary "What Happened to Beverly Smith." It's on Prime. It's really good. It's very well done. Um, They play some of the recordings. They play what they call his confession, uh, which you know, obviously, was not a confession. He didn't even have some of the details right. Like it was like, oh, come on, you know. Yeah. If, he'd, if he'd like laid it out exactly as they believed it happened or whatever mm-hmm. evidence they had. They botched it so bad from the beginning that they were right. never going to be able to solve it. And they knew it. Mm-hmm. And they chose a vulnerable person
1: yep, to target to
0: take advantage of. It. And it's really sad and gross.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's terrible. Yeah. And it's terrible yeah. for Beverly. Beverly's family because all they have is that the information that, that was presented at court and the police have failed them so terribly. Mm-hmm. What are they supposed to believe? You know, yep. it would be heartbreaking to be them. Yep. Awful. So anyway, okay. that's what I know. So go watch it and comment yeah. here. Tell us what you think of it. But I, I find that kind of police behavior. Absolutely disgusting. In yeah. any case, I don't even care if he was. Guilty.
1: That is not
0: okay. Yeah the the enticement and entrapment that they got him Mm -hmm. involved in, committing all these fake crimes. I mean the the time and money and energy they put into this Mm -hmm. it's insane. If they'd put that much time into I don't know investigating a little more broadly, maybe they'd
1: actually figure out who did this.
0: But they they haven't
1: put a little more time into not botching the crime scene in the first place. Right. Maybe they could have solved this
0: maybe you know it
1: was 1974
0: like forensics weren't much mm-hmm. at the time but I mean it was so messed up from the beginning I, and I just feel like they needed to find the family was you know going public again and they just needed mm-hmm. to find somebody to lay this on so mm-hmm. that they could save face and that's yep. what they've tried to do but it sure yep. hasn't worked yeah for sure oh, all right well Katie I think you have some weird crime time for us
1: oh do I though <laughs> So this crime coming to you straight from Uttar Pradesh, India. Mm-hmm. These are some relics.
0: Ganesh, were see.
1: Oh. Some thieves got some instant karma. Pretty instant <laughs> karma. They broke into a temple in India and they stole 16 statues. They thought it was quite the hall. But it turned into perhaps a curse. Mm-hmm. The this was a centuries-old Hindu temple in oh. Uttar Pradesh, a temple for Lord Balaji, who is an incarnation of the god Vishnu. And on later last week on Monday, um, after six days of the theft, all but two of the uh, statues had been returned, or the relics had been returned. Oh, really. Why? <laughs> because as soon as these idiots stole all of these relics, their lives started to crumble. <laughs> Uh-oh, the curses are true. And they were all suffering from bad dreams and poor health. And they were scared to death. They said we have not... They had returned a note. They dropped most of these things off near the home of the, chief's, uh, the chief priest with a note oh. that said... We have not been able to sleep, eat, and live peacefully. We are fed up with the scary dreams, and we are returning your valuables. (laughs) The note also asked for a blessing of forgiveness, please. Please stop hurting us. (laughs) Gosh. How funny is that? still have no idea who the thieves were, and there are still two statues missing, so... uh, Maybe all of the bad dreams haven't ended, but at any rate, note to self, don't do shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. You might get hit with some kind of
0: weird curse. Right? Or maybe just have a conscience. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe they're like covered in some old chemical or mold or something that's affecting these guys and they don't realize it. Like my head immediately went to like touching them or being around them they breathed in something or absorbed something through their skin that Mm -hmm. is like making
1: them not feel good acting psychoactive or something yeah Yeah. something because it has just ruined some dumb thieves lives so there you go (laughs)
0: that's pretty funny (laughs) i'm a fan of the instant karma i think it's pretty good i don't hate it
1: yeah so there you go
0: that's weird crime time thank you for that you this is our Wednesday case, which means we'll be back tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain for Wednesday night case updates. And we will be back tomorrow night, Thursday night at 7 p.m. Mountain for yeah. the Psychic Hour. Those are both live streams. They mm-hmm. are live on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. And, of course, they are posted uh after the fact as well if you can't make it live. But if you can, come join us in the chat. We have a great time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, comment, all the things. It helps us to continue to grow. Yes. And it does. uh, you know, we just really appreciate all of you for hanging in there with us. You bet. You know it. We are true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters. Thanks for being here.
1: Take care. <laughs>